Hey, Boardroom Podcast listeners, I want to tell you about RideList, the RideList app. Buy, sell, trade your gear for free using the RideList app for iPhone. Download it now and begin the ride, RideList. Also want to tell you about California Gold Surf Auction coming up May 4th and 5th. We are currently curating an exciting auction already lining up a 1977 Tom Parrish-shaped lightning bolt, a Bob Simmons from the late 40s, a 1975 Jerry Lopez-shaped lightning bolt, a 1978 Donald Takayama Larry Burleman twin fin, a 1971 Mike Hinson Rainbow Surfboards Maui gun, and much, much more. California Gold Surf Auction. And that's in conjunction with the Boardroom International Surfboard Show presented by U.S. Blanks, May 4th and 5th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, this year honoring Wayne Lynch in the Icons of Foam shape-off. The most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their own understanding of their history. George Orwell said that. And it's fitting because history is important to Ryan Sakel. Ryan Sakel is a craftsman, a second-generation California craftsman. He has a stellar pedigree. He is also a world-class surfer. But he wouldn't boast. He's quiet, unassuming, and very professional. He will, however, tell you that the U.S. surfboard manufacturing industry is an important and vital part of surf culture, and that the history of California board building should not be denied or obliterated. I present to you Ryan Sakel of Arise Surfboards on the Boardroom Podcast. Let us begin. All right, the Boardroom Podcast. We're here with Ryan Sakel, the shaper and friend, and uh, your brand, Arise Surfboards. Is that correct? Yeah. You know what I'm going to have you do is if you can, you can even hold the microphone if you want. You can hold it in your hand, whatever's okay. most comfortable for you. Yeah, just pull it out of there. Plenty of cord there. That's better for you. Yeah. Whatever. Sound good? Whatever's comfy. Okay. Um, yeah, sounds good. Um, so... Let's see, where did I leave off? Oh, so you were telling me you're getting a puppy dog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom, she uh, shows and breeds Australian Shepherds. Um, been around those dogs my whole life. And um, I actually just got married. Yeah. And um, my wife and I, were, uh, we're starting off with a, a brand new puppy. Cool. You're, you're going to get a puppy dog. That's and an Australian Shepherd. I love the Australian Shepherds. Yeah, they're pretty cool dogs. Do they they're, have a new breed, like a super mini version? Yeah, they do. They they look like a almost like a puppy, but they're yeah. full grown. I saw one the other day, and we were like, that thing looks full grown. Like its legs looked right sized for its body. Yeah. But it, but it was a puppy. It was a small, it was like a tiny one. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they're pretty maybe cool. Maybe smaller than Maverick, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, my mom does the regular full size ones, but um, they're not that big of a dog either. Yeah, you know, maybe forty pounds for a female. So yeah, 
I'm a big fan with the freaky different colors and the yeah, eyeballs. Sometimes and... they'll have the the white eyes or like a marble eye. Um, There's like a blue Merrill, right? Like a yeah. blue Merrill and. What yeah. are some of the other? You... Uh, blue Merle, and Merle, then yeah. there's a red Merle, and then black tri and a red tri. Right. So those are the the different ones, and there it's I've had them before, and it's crazy how smart they are. It's yeah. like I I know friends with other dogs, and it's like it's like cheating, like <laughs> <laughs> it, like it it's not the same thing. So I'm I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. You know, no, they're known to be super smart, right? They're nippers. They're they're well. They're yeah. They're herding dogs. Yeah, they're herding dogs. Which it's pretty interesting if you think about the way dogs are, because um, you don't have to train like certain dogs that were bred to be, you know, herding dogs. You take off running, and first thing they do, their instinct is to run after you and bite your heels. You didn't teach them that, you know. And then like a retriever. Those things will fetch a ball all day long until they drop dead on the beach. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend and his dog used to do that. It was crazy. Like yeah. he had to like put it on a leash and hold it or else the thing would just be back and forth all day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting the way that all that works out with the, the breeding of the, you know, especially yeah. if you get a mutt and they have certain traits. Well, this one's like that. Yeah. This one, we don't know. We think it's like, um, um, well, who's the? I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the shaper's name. The, the girl up at Moonlight. Um, oh, Christine. Christine. She has a corgi. Yeah. And so I think Maverick has corgi in him. Okay. Because of the way he sits. See the way he sits, like he. Yeah, yeah. And he's got sure. that kind of long, kind of squatty body. Yeah. But he, but he's got a shepherd's face. So. Totally. But he does some. He's very smart. I mean. Yeah. You know, not that I know what a smart dog is or anything, but he seems like a smart. Dog. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're we're entertaining the hell out of our listeners. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With this dog talk, I know. Um, so Ryan Sakel. Okay, so let me ask you this: What was the last live music event that you attended? Ooh, last live music. Um, <laughs> it was it was a country music concert. Um, I went and saw Chris Stapleton. Okay. And um, some friends of ours um, snuck us into, we had lawn seats and then our friends kind of snuck us into the good seats. Right. And um, it was amazing. It was, that guy is such a great, great musician. I know country's not, you know, everyone's thing, but as far as a musician, that guy's amazing. Yeah. And um, it was actually the day that, uh, uh, gosh, what's, what's the woman's name who just passed away? skipping my, my yeah. mind but there was a tribute song that they played uh-huh. and it was just um it was amazing they played one of her songs and it was um aretha franklin yeah it was an aretha franklin song oh cool yeah um but yeah it was you know and chris stapleton is this somebody that you've purchased their music like you're a fan of chris's music or did you just yeah okay yeah. okay yeah. so i might like need it. to check this out yeah i like his music M- my wife's a big big country music fan okay and um we like all types of music but sure. um, she's definitely got me into yeah to listening to, to a little more you know stuff that i wouldn't normally listen to yeah and yeah my my daughter's like that she listens to yeah. a lot of country music yeah do you play um i can play chords i can kind of strum strum some songs and stuff i haven't been playing in a long time um with with starting the board brand and stuff like that um there's so much that goes into building 
a board brand that yeah. my free time, it's like I'm either designing logos or, um, you know, just shaping and just, there's a lot that yeah. goes, you know, website, you know, yeah. there's a lot that goes into all that. Are you, are you a graphic artist? Are you a yeah. classically trained artist? Or? I'm not classically trained. Um, I grew up, one of the first things um, my dad taught me once he knew I wanted to eventually shape boards is that at a, at a young age, he, he would really um, encourage me to draw. So I would just be in my room drawing, bring bring drawings of surfboards or waves or whatever. I'd bring it out to him. He'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. You should do this. You should do that, you know? And, um, so I was always interested in art and, um, I started painting, um, in my, I think early teens, I started painting boards. Um, my dad taught me how to, um, to lay tape. So he taught me how to lay tape in the garage. He had me strip the wax off my board and then I would just be in the garage at night, just laying tape. As soon as I thought I was done, he'd come out and be like, oh, it's wobbly there, pull it do it again. And then that was my introductory to, to surfboard building. Yeah. Um, started airbrushing a little bit and definitely painting my own boards and yeah. bringing my influence, um, in, yeah. into, into, yeah, there's, the there seems to be a really, um, sort of proper and, um, well thought out aesthetic, you know, to your yeah. brand, to your website and to everything that you do graphically. It looks really like, yeah, it's... I'm, I'm trying to do that. Um, I'm not, I'm not trained. I didn't go to school for it, which I really wish I had. Um, I think I have some friends who did that. Do you mean like Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator or do I you mean more like classic, like understanding? I think all of that, yeah. you know, I, I'm interested in all of that. I, I really enjoy painting and it's it's one of those things that um you know the the paintings and the the boards with paintings on them they they start to pile up yeah <laughs> so it's kind of um and you pawn them off on your friends and stuff like that yeah. um but um i i do paint my personal boards um i have a few that um that i do and and all the airbrushes that i do on my boards they're usually um they're usually my designs. I usually draw them up and have Peter, um, Peter St. Pierre over at Moonlight. I have him do the, the airbrushing and I mean, he just nails them. And yeah. then, um, I get a lot of people who really love his stuff too. His, yeah. uh, his Lotus designs and you know, he's, he's an amazing artist as well. Yeah. So try to incorporate that into my stuff too. Well, you mentioned your dad, and it'd probably be important for us to talk a little bit about your father, Ed Sakel. Um, he's got quite a history in the surfboard manufacturing industry. Yeah, I think going back to the South Bay. So maybe give me some insight into your dad's background. Yeah, yeah, my dad. He has he has a a really deep history, but he's not the type of guy that would talk about it. He doesn't bring it up. Um, and it's pretty, pretty cool. I've gone to trade shows with him and we'd run into Greg Knoll and, um, Greg Knoll's like, Hey Eddie. And I don't know my dad as Eddie. Yeah. You know, I know my dad as Ed. Right. And when he was younger, everyone called him Eddie. Yeah. And, um, that was really cool. Um, just, you know, seeing that, like, hold on, wait, what? <laughs> like, 
how does my dad know Greg Knoll? You know, and then he'd tell me, oh, yeah, I used to work for him. Yeah. And so um, he grew up in the South Bay. Um, he grew up, I, th- I think he rode for, um, I think he rode for Greg Knoll for a little while. And then he started working in his factory. And then um, his job in that factory was blowing blanks. So he was just a kid. He was like 14 years old, and he was mixing the foam. You're kidding. And wow. blowing blanks for, for Greg Knoll. I didn't know Knoll blew his own blanks. I guess I should have known that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what was I this, was told. What year do you think this was? Gosh, you know what? I really don't know. Um, I'm just wondering if, if Greg Knoll and Gravy Clark had a little feud, or if it was pre-Clark. I think it but was that's, pre-Clark, yeah. you know, um, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, he, he picked up a lot. He's the type of guy that he can just see something and be like, I can make that, you know? And that's, that's kind of how he was with surfboards. And, um, he's a, he's a really hard worker, you know? Yeah. Um, so he worked his way up to, you know, laminating. And then, um, he was a laminator for a really long time for ET surfboards Uh in the South Bay. And, um, Eddie Talbot and my dad were, like best friends mm-hmm. growing up and um eddie owned the shop and my dad was running the factory for years and eventually my dad started shaping too he started shaping all his own boards and boards for some friends but he was mostly just the laminator yeah um he could do everything but um he was just mostly the laminator and um he eventually started it was called bullet surfboards yeah i remember that label yeah yeah and he bought a factory in paramount and he bought a house in cerritos so it was kind of like in between um you know his work and where he was surfing but eventually he opened up a retail store in huntington beach yeah and um he had several locations in huntington beach until now he's on Main Street in Huntington, which is just the mecca of surfing as far as, you know, Southern California. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at least once a year it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the U.S. Open. Right. But, um, yeah, so he has he has quite a history. Um, somewhere along the line, um, he went over to, to Hawaii when he was working um, with E.T. And um, he met Craig Sukihara. And they became pretty close friends. And for a winter, my dad was staying with him, and um, he helped him shape and start um, and Craig, town and country. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, give the listeners a little. Yeah, yeah, Craig was the town and country, the guy at town yeah. and country. He was yeah. the TNC of TNC. Yeah, he was the TNC. He yeah. is TNC. Yeah, and um, yeah, so that was pretty cool to find out all that and kind of learn the history of my dad. And you know, he's. He's quite a... So your dad sounds like your dad's pretty humble and not really a guy that waves his, his flag real... No, he doesn't. And it's interesting, he doesn't he doesn't do that to other people either. Yeah. Like, he doesn't hold a lot of people in huge regard yeah. regarding shaping and surfing. It's just like, I think he kind of outgrew that as a kid yeah. where he idolized people and yeah. he started to look at people for more of just who they were is, you know, if they're a good person or not, rather than, oh my God, that's so-and-so, you know? And, um, that, that's, that's something that I think is, it's a good quality. 
Yeah, it's an amazing one. And I think it's just from my interactions with you, I sense that you have a real sort of humble, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say laid back, but um, I think he's passed that on to you, you know, this real sense of, um, of, you know, everyone's sort of right sized. And I just don't sense that you're out there waving your flag real loud and proud. And, and, and I think that's a neat thing. You know, I think there's a, you know, there's something to be said for that, and especially in this day and age. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I, I think what we do, it's it's something that at a certain level, there, there you reach a, a skill set that you become a master at your craft. But there's there's not that many of us that are are really at that level. Um but there are a lot of people who can shape boards that, you know, it's not that hard to shape a surfboard. Yeah. What's hard is to shape that exact same surfboard again. And I think I, I respect people who can shape a board. I respect people who would rather buy a board. (laughs) You know, I just feel like there's, there's always going to be someone better than you and I think I think a lot of it was with surfing because I grew up competing yeah and surfing is such a weird thing competing at surfing yeah because you could totally be in the water against someone who you know you surf way better than yeah but they'll beat you and I think at starting surfing contests at such a young age I started surfing contests at nine Mm -hmm. you learn that pretty quick you know so And you also learn that, you know, within one summer, some guy could go from, you know, someone mm-hmm. you used to beat to, you know, he's like the new best thing. Yeah. So, um, I'm hoping this summer that that's going to happen for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, you grew up surf competing in, in, in whereabouts in Huntington? Like, where did you grow? Did you grow up in Cerritos? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Cerritos, which is, you know, just so where is Cerritos? random. It's it's basically um, it's close to Long Beach. It's it's close to uh, Los Alamitos, um, basically inland from Seal Beach. Right. So I started surfing at Seal Beach. Okay. Um, my dad took me out at five years old, and I was, you know, I was a surfer. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as I, you know. As soon as I knew my dad as soon as was you a were surfer, born. yeah. As soon as I knew my dad was a surfer, I was like, I'm a surfer. Right. You know, it's just yeah. like I just wanted to be That's what cool. he was. So, but yeah, so I grew up um, kind of the Orange County, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty area. competitive little arena there. Yeah, it was Seal Beach. Yeah, um, down to obviously down all the yeah. way to San Clemente. Yeah, more or less. But yeah, I guess I'm known as a Huntington guy, right? Mostly because of my dad's shop, right? But once I got to high school, I went to Marina High School. I mm-hmm. used a friend's address right. to be able to go to school there, uh-huh. and I just drove from Cerritos to Huntington. And is I Marina was on High School a, a Huntington High School? Yeah, it's okay. one of I think Edison, four, four Marina, or five. And yeah, Utah. yeah, which yeah. was really cool because they had a, a surf team. Yeah. So as a freshman, you know, it's Huntington Beach, like no one cared about football or wrestling or anything like that. It was like, if you're on the surf team, like as a freshman, I was just like, (laughs) 
you know, welcomed with like open arms as like, yeah, kind of like the ringer, That's you know, so cool. I was like, this is crazy. Like, you know, but, yeah. um, that was really cool and made a and lot who, of great friends in Huntington from high school. So a name just popped into my head, which is Chaz Wickwire. Was, was Chaz somebody that you looked up to? Cause I know he yeah. was shaping boards and he, I competed against Chaz. Yeah. Yeah. In the mid eighties. Chaz, Chaz was, um, especially when I was really young and when I first started shaping, he used to judge the NSSAs and obviously he had his own board brand. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he would pull me and my dad aside and he'd just be like, you know, just really, really supportive of what my dad and I were doing. And it was, it was really cool. Um, I, I haven't seen him in years. Yeah. Um, but just through Instagram and stuff like that. He's still shaping, glassing, and he still surfs really he, good. I bet. He was he's, always he super hot surfer. Yeah, yeah. And he's got to be my age, yeah, 53 in, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's inspiration for sure because he's yeah. like, he's riding a regular shortboard. And so. Does he own a glass house somewhere? Glass I, think, I think he does. Yeah. I, I, Small little thing. Man. I'm so out of the loop in Huntington yeah. that um, I'm pretty sure he does. I think he might even be, even be doing. Um, I mean, I could be totally wrong. He might be doing the DHD boards. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so you're in Huntington. You're in high school. You're surfing competitively. Um, you're ripping it up. You're doing the NSSAs, I imagine. Yeah. Um, you're doing the high school team season. Yeah. And you're riding your father's boards? Um, I stopped riding my dad's boards at 14. So. Um, Why was that? I was, <laughs> you were smitten by some other brand probably, right? Yeah. I was such a picky kid. Yeah. Like I wanted the Rob Machado, Kelly Slater flip yeah. nose boards Ooh. and he was just not, not feeling it. Yeah. And so I would go in the shaping room with him and it's funny cause now I know what was happening. He was just like chopping the nose off where like. I needed all that rocker in the nose to make it look how I wanted to. Right, right. He was probably so on point with what I should have been writing. Right. But um, there's no way you're going to change yeah, a teenager's mind. No, no. So as as I started getting more into competing, and he he wanted me in the shaping room. He was he was teaching me yeah. how to shape. He let me. You know, he let me skin blanks. He let me draw the outlines and cut them out and true them up. And then, um, you know, so he was teaching me along the way while he was shaping my boards. But, um, yeah, I think ultimately it was cause I was probably being a little punk, <laughs> like more rocker, <laughs> like, Oh, you're not doing it right. You know? Yeah. So would did, you get that sort of, um, animated with your dad? Would you get, Oh yeah. Of, okay. Yeah. yeah. I uh, mean, especially when you're a teenager, oh, yeah, you, yeah. I, it's funny. You, you speak to your parents how yeah. you would never speak to another person, know. you know? I mean, and I, I look back on some things. I'm like, Oh, such a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, he was, he was so supportive of it. Um, and I'll never forget it. I shaped my first board for myself. He let me shape 10 boards. The 10th board was for myself. So he put the nine boards in our shop to sell. And they actually sold. I was, we were tripping. Yeah. And, um, were they little shortboards? Like, yeah. Just like what you would ride, like five tens or He five... had me do like normal shortboards for the time uh -huh. just because he wanted them to sell. And this was like what, 92 or something? I think or... it was 91. Uh huh. Yeah. I think 91. So you 92. were making those sort of 
crazy, super narrow, yeah. super rockered out. Yeah, yeah, my versions of yeah. them. <laughs> Your versions of them, right? Yeah, and um, yeah. So and they had, did they have Seiko logos? Yep, yep. Yeah. They had our our family crest, sort of that me and my dad sat down and drew, and that mm-hmm. became the logo because he had to change the name from Bullet. Mm-hmm. to Seikel. Um, he didn't have to change it to Seikel, but we, we as a family decided let's just use the name. Yeah. And, um, there was a sailboard company out of Europe that said that, you know, he could no longer use the name bullet. Right. You're infringing on a trademark. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, he changed it to Seikel and we came up with a cool logo. And at the time I thought it was super cool and I helped him draw it and all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so... How did the 10th board go? That was yours. Yeah. The 10th board, I mean, I still have it, and the thing is hideous. <laughs> I, I should actually ride it. It's a, I think it's like 5'5 five, five and like 17 and a quarter. Oh, my God. By like two inches, I think. Oh, I love but, it. Um, hey, I want to take a quick break in the podcast to tell you about the Ride List app. Download the app for your iPhone. Buy, sell, trade your gear surfboards, snow gear, camera equipment, vintage stuff, mountain bikes, whatever it is you ride, this is the place to buy, sell, and trade Ride List. I'm downloading, or excuse me, I'm looking at right now the Ride List app, and I'm just randomly scrolling here. I see a 968 or triple stringer longboard, probably a spoon. I see a really killer 5.4 Firewire Vanguard by Tomo. There's also a 510CI Fred Stubble. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. I'm just riffing through here. Here's a snowboard, a 2016 Ride Buckwild snowboard. Lots of really cool stuff on here. And um, this is how you peer-to-peer buy, sell, and trade your gear. Ride List app. Go ahead and check it out. Thanks for listening. Ride List app. Download it for your iPhone. It's fast. It's free. It's easy. Ride List. I don't know if it was the board or just because I was so stoked. Yeah. But had the brand new board, took it up to Santa Cruz for, I think it was a a USSF contest Mm -hmm. and um, ended up, I think I like won the contest on the board and I really liked the board. And we were driving back. We used to take our big motorhome up there and stay in the motorhome. And we were driving back, and my dad's like, all right, I'm not going to shape you another board. And I was like, what? He's <laughs> like, yeah, you can shape all your boards from now on. I'm like, yeah, right. Okay, cool. You know, but seriously, he hasn't shaped me a board. Wow. So. Um, but you were riding other boards. Like, what was the brand that you were riding? Like, when you're. Remember there was that time in high school, I guess, where you were riding other boards besides your oh, father's. Well, in high school. Were you school, riding CIs? Were you riding like lineups? Were you riding local guys' boards? No, I always rode my own boards. Oh, okay. I always rode my own shapes, um, but I did shape for town and country. Oh, I see. So we did a licensee deal uh-huh. with town and country. It was just me. It wasn't my dad. Yeah. But um, it was only a year long. It was just one of those things that, it wasn't it wasn't what I think I thought it was gonna be and I don't think it was what town and country thought it was gonna be. Yeah. And it was it was fun. It was cool. Yeah. I got to come over to Hawaii and they had a huge factory at the time and got to that was my first time shaping a computer shaped board too. Yeah. They had some 
you know, some cuts that I got to finish. And right. it, it was fun because I was like, you know, I think it was Jeff Johnston or someone like that. Yeah. And Sino and a bunch of guys. Like they had this huge stable of guys. Yeah. And they were just so nice to me. And they let me shape myself aboard. Did you know who I they there. were? I mean, you must have known who they were. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that seems kind of like yeah. a pretty killer little mentorship you know yeah but it was did really, you consider it like that or were you um it was just i only went over there for a day and did a few boards but yeah. it was kind of like let's see if let's see his chops type right, thing right and i think think they were they were stoked i mean they yeah. were just finished shapes so yeah but they let me shape a couple boards and yeah. shape myself a board and that was pretty cool yeah yeah that was what fun. year was that i want to say it was probably like 90 95, yeah. I think. I could be wrong. I'm getting old. Yeah, no, I, I get 90. We'll go with 95. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was fun. But, um, so your dad hadn't made you a board since that, that trip. No, and I always ask him to make me a board, and he, he'll never do it. Wow. Yeah. We've kind of collaborated on maybe one or two where it was me, like, okay, let's shape a board together then, you yeah. know? And, um, I still have those boards. That's pretty cool. That is you know, cool. Got both our signatures on them. And stuff, all right, so all right. They're like, I'll, I'll keep those forever. But When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And, and so you're, you're basically, you have a, you have a full-time job as a surfboard shaper up there in, in Orange County. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, straight, straight into it. Um, mm-hmm. as soon as I started shaping, um, it was cool. Cause I think, my contest results, they weren't that good. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't winning contests in in the pro ranks, Yeah. but having been one of the only guys at the time who was shaping and writing my own boards, Yeah. the magazines liked that for sure. And so I was getting a lot of editorial for that, Yeah. which I'm so thankful for, you know, that, that they, they they noticed you know i was doing something a little different yeah and that that was really cool um so as soon as that happened um 
we got an account with um it's called murasaki sports in japan mm -hmm. and at that time like guys were going to japan and shaping like crazy you yeah. know during the the 90s yeah and i got a little taste of that um which i'm so stoked because they would do hundred board orders, you know, for yeah. me and I've only shaped fifty boards at the time. Right. You know? So that was such a huge opportunity for me to go in after school and I was just plowing boards. Wow. And so And those were those were sacles? Yeah, those were sacles. Uh -huh. I would just put, you know, shaped by Ryan. Uh -huh, and they'd ship and, them over there. Yeah, and there was that was the difference between my boards and my dad's. Uh -huh. So Cool. Um, that was cool, and I had a sponsorship with them for years. Oh, cool! And they sold our boards, and so but all the work was done here in California. Yeah, okay. yeah, we would just ship the boards over. Oh, sweet. And yeah, hmm. yeah. So that was really cool. So now you really yeah. now you're really cutting your chops, right? I yeah. Mean, and how many of those are hand shapes, and how many of those are coming off of the machine? Um, all of those were hand shapes. I didn't start using the machine until I want to say I had shaped. I think it was 4,000 boards yeah. by hand. Wow. I, I used to number my boards, yeah. um, all of my hand shapes. Yeah. Um, I kind of just through moving and all that stuff and working for all these other companies where I'm doing tons of um, finished shapes. Yeah. Like the, the number, I have no idea. Yeah, the know? number gets skewed a little, huh? Yeah, it's like it a does. gray area. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm finishing this board. It's not really my design, but I guess I could, I guess I, you know, it's, yeah, that's kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, but for me, I I was actually really anti-machine. I was one of those kids. Yeah. I would actually, like, make fun of my friends who were on CIs because they were computer-shaped because, I mean... Well, you grew up in a, in a hand-shaped hand yeah. culture. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And um, my dad still hand-shapes. He yeah. still hand-shapes all his longboards. He wow. still, like, if someone needs a rush board, he'll just hand-shape it, you know? and. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's you hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what about you? How do, how are you feeling now? I mean, it's like we're, it's yeah. 2018. Yeah. And things have changed a little bit and, and the perspective has changed. What is your thought on this? My thought is, I think to be, I don't know. So I come from that era of, hand shaping and respecting the guys who can hand shape well. Yeah. But I also, I'm kind of like in between those two eras because I also grew up with guys who, you know, started only on, on a machine, yeah. you know, only using the CAD software. So, um, where I'm at with, with what I want from my personal you know, set of tools is I want to be able to do everything. I want to be able to hand shape a longboard, a real longboard, yeah. not like my shortboard version of a longboard. <laughs> right. I, I want to be able to hand shape those. I want to be able to hand shape the gnarliest high performance shortboard too. Yeah. But then I also want to be able to design as well and have have those designs come out as good as my hand shapes. Yeah. So that's, that's how I see it. Um, but I think, I think you have to enjoy it. I think you have to enjoy hand shaping and I think you have to enjoy the process of designing. Yeah. And I do. 
I, 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 I see both sides and I really enjoy both of them. Where, where do you think the joy comes from and specifically in hand shaping? I'm wondering if there's like, like, is there a Zen moment when you just got the earmuffs on, you're listening to, maybe you're listening to music. I don't know. You know, you're in your blue room, the door's closed. You're, you're kind of yeah. in a moment. I mean, I imagine, I don't know. Is yeah. there like Zen? Is it, or where's the there, joy manifest? There's, there's so many parts of it, but if I haven't hand shaped in a while and then turn the, the vacuum on and fire up the planer and you're just digging into foam, it feels so good. Yeah. It's like, it's like jumping in the water after like not being in the water a long time. It's uh-huh. just, you really get a sense of like, it's probably some primal, you know, thing of like, chopping down a tree or you know yeah a little bit something of that, like huh? that um and, I get, and art so you've kind of got yeah. both you know like like when you mow the lawn you kind of feel good when you're mowing the lawn you yeah. know what i mean yeah but you're creating this thing that's just incredible i mean that brings so much joy to us the the end user surfer yeah yeah i, I think it's multifaceted because yeah i'm getting pleasure out of the feeling of the planer and you know what i'm doing physically but also like you're putting a lot of thought into what you're building for that person. And I think that's, to be honest, I think that's what makes a good shaper is what's the point of making a beautiful surfboard if it's not the right surfboard for the person who's buying it. Right. So if, if you could be, you know, the type of type of person who can talk to your customer and fit them to the right board for them, for themselves, I th- I think that's the biggest rush out of shaping yeah. is getting those text messages. Rode my board. Oh my God. It's the best board I've ever had. Or you're right. We should, I'm glad we went thicker or I'm glad we went wider, you know, like whatever that was, you know, helping someone progress in their surfing is that's, that's also a part of shaping. That's really It's a real joyful part of it, you know? Do you think that, do you think that shaping a, a, a true longboard, as you mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. and I think to myself, like, I think like a, I'll just throw this out there, like a, a Bing David Nueva lightweight or something, Yeah. but whatever it is, it's a board with a lot of bottom contours, like, is is that the most difficult board to make? Like something that's got tons of roll in the bottom and that has this concave in the nose, and or is it just equally as difficult to make, you know, yourself a board for eight foot blacks? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know because I grew up shaping only shortboards, and now that. I think it has to do with my age and where I'm at with my surfing. I, I want to ride a longboard sometimes. And I, I, I look at certain longboarders and I'm like, wow, like that guy is good. Like I, I see, you know, like who, who, who comes to mind? um, Corey Calapinto. Yeah. That kid is so good. Yeah. Um, there's just a group of kids who, yeah, they're just good surfers. Exactly. Like he could get on a, a longboard a foil board. I've seen some foil stuff of him. That's pretty insane. I would love to shape that kid a board. Yeah. Um, some shortboarding stuff. And, um, 
But yeah. he does some crazy stuff where he's he'll turn the board upside down and ride yeah. stand on the bottom of it fin first. Like he's just out of his mind. Yeah, it's pretty acrobatic, yeah. you know. But I think um there's Yeah. So I I think I mean with, you've got nine feet of board now, you know, and yeah. and there's all this roll. Like my simpleton and I'm not a shaper, obviously, so mm-hmm. I think, oh, let's just make a flat bottom and throw some double concave in it and tuck the edge. It seems pretty simple. Yeah. And I think about a longboard with a bunch of roll in it. It's like, man, the roll has to be kind of even. And I don't know, just maybe because of the length, there's a lot more variable. Um, I think that's where being, being good with your planer comes in Yeah, is being able to use your planer properly to not get bumps and not get wobbles and dips and things like that. Yeah. Um, but now that I've had a little bit of time to think about it, I think the high performance shortboard is just, it's a race car. It's a formula one race car where just the, the most minute little things with edges and, um, curves and concaves and things like that. I mean, your fin angles and things like that. Just so many things with the guys who are, really riding them to their potential yeah your average surfer isn't going to notice those things yeah but once you get to like the matt biolis and you know the ci's and those guys like i really think that those boards are it sucks it sucks to see them being kind of like marginalized or just yeah, made, made totally. for the average guy you mean or no just the way people view them like uh-huh. you could you see it i mean maybe it's just because where we live yeah but you see it with like someone pulls up in the parking lot you pull out you know like a board like one of those boards that one of those pros would ride no one's gawking over it but you pull up with you know this beautiful long board with you know some abstract tint on it done by some dude at like one of those places you can go shape your own board. People are like, Oh my God, like that thing's insane, you know? (laughs) And it's just like, it's like, it's basically a polished turd, you know? And here's (laughs) formula one car, you know? Right. And people are just like, uh, whatever, you know, but they are being, you know, mass produced, you know, I think that has something to do with it. You can go into any surf shop and see a rack of them. But as, as someone who, who makes those type of boards and, and really sees the intricacies that go into every curve, it's, there's a lot to it. Yeah. So do you think that, that the high performance board, because there's so much nuance to it and so many, or a few little moves here or there with the screen or with the planer can make mm-hmm. a big difference. Do you think that sometimes we get overcomplicated and that messes up the board? And like I'm thinking specifically like six channels or eight channels or hacking the nose off, you know, the, the way that some of these guys are doing it. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I, it's funny cause I'll get a board and I'll go, God, it, it's a very simple looking board Yeah, and it'll work insane. Yep. And then I'll order something that's just like, I'll be like, you know, bells and whistles, this mm-hmm. and that, blah, blah, blah. And maybe I threw too much into the recipe. Yeah. I think you're right. I think 
I have a, a, a few boards that I know if I shaped you or, you know, someone who surfs well, I think if I shaped them just this basic kind of lower rocker, fuller outline board, you'd probably go out and you'd have a blast on the board. Um, but there comes a point where you want to see what something's going to do. You know, I think, um, for where we live, yeah. you know, I San think, Diego I think, County. yeah, I yeah. think those type of boards, the kind of, you know, lower rocker, fuller outline, it just works and yeah. it works great. But I've noticed, you know, when, when there's swell, I'll take out my normal high performance shortboard and it's like, Oh, it's, it's doing it. Right. You know, like it's clicking into that next gear Yeah, where, you know, those, those little boards, you would definitely be compensating for the speed that you're, you know, yeah. you're gaining and stuff like that, which sometimes is fun. Yeah. Yeah. If we can, if yeah. we can burn the speed off and handle it. Yeah. yeah. But I think you're right. I think we can throw a little too much, um, like, bells and whistles i kind of like think of like when you see those cars go down the highway and it's like one muffler but they have this like adapter to where it looks like there's four right <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what some of these boards are looking like you yeah. know you're just like okay that's that's a lot going on right there i don't know if you remember this but you told me once um we were talking about laminations and flex on boards and i believe you told me in Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you told me that you kind of like to get a board when it's freshly laminated, a poly board, so that you can um, kind of like um, you would do with some slippers, like just get it worn in to your foot placement and to the waves that you surf. Yeah. Um, that was just kind of... You and I were kind of riffing. Yeah, yeah. It was totally off the cuff, and I was like, oh, I wonder if it's because of that. So... The whole theory is, is I notice for myself, I'm super light. I'm not, I'm not a big guy. So flex is really important in a surfboard for me. Um, and I noticed that if I ride a board and it's not cured, I usually end up really liking the board. I don't know if it was just a string of, you know, kind of luck with those boards, but I, it felt like, the theory was is maybe the board is flexing to the potential of what the waves you're riding. So let's say you're riding um, a fresh board at Newport. Well, your board is going to flex a lot because that, that wave has a lot of curve to it. So your board is going to flex and it's going to get used to being able to flex to that as the board cures. Yeah. So I was thinking with you, you said you had two of the exact same boards. One of them was, you know, felt like it didn't flex enough, felt like it was like almost like a lower rocker board. And I, it just made me think, I wonder if that's, if that's something that maybe we break, break our boards in to where we surf. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of those boards I had grabbed fresh and one of them sat and cured for a bit and, yeah. I, and they were exact same boards more mm -hmm. or less. So anyway, we, yeah, we got on that talk, but I, I, 
for whatever reason, that concept of grabbing a board that's been freshly laminated. And oh, by the way, we don't recommend this for, yeah, yeah. for the end consumer <laughs> who might just break their board or yeah. ruin their board. Yeah. But the concept of as it's curing, as you mentioned, wearing it in, you know, yeah. getting it, getting it sort of used to you and the waves that you ride so that when it does cure over the next two or three weeks, it's, it's kind of, you know, curing to your specifications, yeah, so to speak. Would, I mean, our, our industry is so small th- that we, I don't know if anyone's tested that, yeah. you know, that would be a really cool thing. If you could figure out a way to test a board, one that you let cure all the way, one that you rode while it was curing, and then you test, you know, how much more the one you rode before it cured is still flexing. Yeah. That, that would be one way of, you know, doing that, but we're not tailor-made where we have like a science lab that you know does all that science budget yeah i mean (laughs) that would be amazing if we did (laughs) you're a many people know and and i've seen you surf you're a really great surfer you're you're a high performance surfer um how does first of all do you think it's important that that consumers look to guys that are really good surfers that are also really good shapers is that an important quality in a shaper to be a really good surfer? I think it can be. I think um, if I know a lot of guys who aren't very good surfers, and I know of a lot of guys who make amazing boards for top athletes that aren't really even good surfers themselves. Yeah. So I think it depends on, on what you want from your shaper i can i can provide my customers with a service of really getting in the shaping room with them and talking to them about what their board is doing not everyone can do that um but that's something i want to provide my customers i don't ever want to get to a point where i'm not available to talk to my customers personally about what they should be writing yeah. I think that's the most important thing. And I think my feedback comes from being being a good surfer yeah. I th- and, and having a lot of experience with a lot of boards and trying for myself, what, what does a double concave do? What does, you know, a V bottom do? So I think, I think that that is an asset. It's all about how you use it. Yeah. And, um, like, what's the point of putting someone like me, you know, work to work for a brand and all I'm going to do is, you know, finish someone else's shapes. Yeah. That's not easy. You know, no one's getting anything out of that. Right. You know? So, um, but I think, um, I think I can provide that for, for people if they want it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people now they're just reading, what the manufacturer says that that board does and they look on a chart. Okay. I'm this tall. I weigh this much. That's the board I should ride. And I think that's just the worst thing we could do for, for surfers. Yeah. Because I mean, people come in and they're like, they're like, how many liters should I ride? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. The best way to figure that out is tell me what you're riding. Tell me how it floats you. Are you catching waves? Are you not catching waves? Well, 
how many liters is that board? Now let's figure out from there. I don't think there's a magic liter number, yeah. but I think the liters can be used as a tool. Yeah. And like a baseline. Yeah. 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 What about uh, EPS foam or some of the other foams that are out there? Um, mm-hmm. The XTR foam, EPS, obviously there's tons of poly. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Are you experienced with all of that stuff? Does that stuff interest you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the the part of that that really interests me is the experimental side. Um, Justin Turnis, he's doing a lot of stuff right now with vacuum bagging, carbon fiber. Um, I'm doing a lot of fishes out of that, and yeah. they're, they're working so good. Yeah. Um, but – you have to put a lot of money out to really ex- experiment with those sort of things. Right. Um, one of the other ones that I, I used that worked really good was the inside blanks. Oh, yeah. And I think Dan Mann, I think he was the one who designed that. Yeah. But it's so funny because um, for a while I was making these these boards – that had these like alternative stringers and that was my that was my ultimate dream was to make that and so when i saw he was doing that there was part of me that was like oh man but on the other hand i was like okay now i can try it right and um i made myself a couple couple small wave boards out of them that they they worked good yeah they were just really hard to um to shape because you were having to shape around a core that was inside of it and like you kind of didn't know where it was, and uh-huh. you know there did was. You run, did, it, did you run into it with the screen or something? Or you would run into it um, in the tail and in the nose. You'd run into like would it stop you. Would you be like, well, you would see a glue line, uh, and you'd know up. you're getting close. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it was just trippy. Yeah. But the boards worked. Yeah. So I think... Well, those are still available, right? U.S. Blanks puts I those out. I think they are. I don't yeah. see anything being promoted with them. Yeah, it's But, I mean, bad. to be honest, I mean, that's that's a technology right there that, yeah, that's, that's available legit. to, like, hand shapers. If you want to shape a board in your garage, you could buy one of those, glass it with epoxy. And the whole thing's you know? like a carbon strip, like a thin, like, sixteenth of an inch or less yeah, I'm just guessing. Like, yeah, explain it, to me what I, exactly that point. I think it's a, it's almost a like you know how the deck of your board is domed. Yeah, they they somehow kind of like hollowed out the blank, like split it in two. Yeah, and did kind of a domed layer of carbon fiber throughout the center of the board, and then glued the blank back together. Yeah, and so it was a sandwich piece of carbon fiber in the center of your board yeah and that was controlling the flex and um allowing your board to also have a lot more predictable flex yeah where if you think about it we have a piece of wood stringer that every piece of wood's different yeah there's some some there's not some there's there isn't any yeah so i think i spoke with javier about he he thinks that wood stringers are just the most obsolete thing that we yeah. put in our surfboards. Yeah, I think wood stringers are, but I think there's also something, and maybe it's because we all grew up on wood stringers. Our boards flex this way. Uh huh. Like, 
I don't know how to explain it to the horizontally as well as well as vertically or, or in a yeah. three dimensional sort of exactly multi dimensional twist it twists yeah just twists and so so I think we're used to that the way that our boards are flexing they're flexing this way and they're also twisting yeah so when you change where that that line is that you're getting the strength and where the board is twisting a board's going to feel really weird. Yeah. You know? So I think keeping the that strength in the center and allowing the board to still twist that way, I think people are going to like that. And I think one thing I've noticed is small wave boards work great in those other techs where you don't have the center stringer. Right. But as soon as you get into like a high-performance board, Right. They feel, they do weird things uh-huh. and they feel funky. Yeah. But maybe the Javier things, maybe he's figured that out with, you know, laying things up differently or something. But yeah. all the ones I've tried, you know, they've all had definitely a different feel. Yeah. Um, and moments of poltergeist. So yeah, speak. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, you mentioned Justin. Yeah. Um, Tierness. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like, He's sort of like uh, the, the new mad scientist, or I, I, I don't know him. I'd love to yeah. interview him, but everyone I talk to on these podcasts, yeah. at least in San Diego, it's yeah. like, oh, Justin's vacuum bagging me, my stuff with yeah. with a carbon composite instead of a stringer or whatever it is. Like he's mm-hmm. he just seems like he's got it going on. He's kind of like yeah. the laminator du jour, so to speak. Yeah, he's he's figured out that what what he's providing us is it's working. And then he's also making it look very good. Right. Like the quality of his, his glass jobs are really good. Yeah. And is he doing everything sanding and everything? Oh, uh, I think he has a small crew up there. Uh-huh. I think he has like maybe one or two other guys that kind of right. help him out. Right. But, um, yeah, it's like super, you know, small, small production. And, um, what's cool is, I think he gets it, you know, like, I don't think he's going to make boards for other people in his tech that he doesn't respect as shapers or, you know, right. I think he's keeping it kind of a close, kind of close knit right. group, group of guys, yeah. um, which is cool. Cause yeah. I mean, he makes, he makes rad boards himself. Oh, does he? he? Yeah. Oh, cool. What's his label? Do you know? Or I think it's just JT. Ju- or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they're, cool. they're really cool. And, um, yeah, I think he's um, he's super open to, to trying stuff, too. Like, I've sat down with him and talked to him about, oh, what if we did this? What if we did that? He's like, yeah, we could do it. I don't know what it's going to do. Right, <laughs> but, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's he's been working on some stuff. He's doing some clear ones now, too. That... Yes, I think Stu's got a board for me that's going through Justin, I cool. believe. That, yeah. You know, one. Yeah, I made, um, I made McCullough Jones um, a little – step up board um and we did it with the clear and i just dropped it off to him in hawaii when i went over there yeah and um waiting to hear how he likes that thing cool um could be could be magic yeah you could get that tax yeah i need to send you a tax i know i'm so jonesing i'm thinking maybe this afternoon right frankly like i'm jonesing just i just want to get that thing and I need to put it through its paces. I haven't yeah. had a ch- and it, and it, I'm really frothing. Like I've got a bunch of boards yeah. like, that haven't haven't been waxed. Yeah, but this one specifically, I'm frothing on because it's 
you know, you put a board under your arm and you're like, yes. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like yep. this has a lot of potential to be really, really good. Plus yeah. the fact that you're such a great uh, shaper and surfer, you know, I'm excited about, and like I say, I got one or two waves where I was like, yeah. And then I just haven't been fat enough. I yeah. need to, I need to eat from the bowl of Seiko, you know? I haven't, yeah. Yeah. I'm so. excited to see how you like it. Um, just watching you surf, I think you'd really like that board because you can push it really hard. Yeah. It has tons of drive. Yeah. And um, I, I think you'll like it. I think yeah. you'll feel that bottom too. That bottom's pretty pretty out there, but, you know. I felt it like I got just the crappiest one foot left, right? Mm-hmm. And I barely got to my old man feet. But And no, this wave had no push, you know. Yeah. But there was a, a little floaty section that I just went, well, what the hell, you know, and I, I in faith, threw yeah. it up there and it just went, you know, it felt yeah. really, and that's when I was like, okay, we're getting butter here. This is yeah. buttery. I okay. want to get this board on something where I can yeah. go bang, bang, bang and feel it out and go, you know, so I'm yeah. thinking maybe blacks this afternoon I'm just or cool. somewhere where I can get yeah. a wave over and over and over, like, yeah. you know, at least 10 of them just bang. Yeah. So who knows, but I'm yeah. excited about yeah, riding it. Be- now that's the prey. What's that? The name of that? The Praton? The Periton. Periton. I'm sorry. Periton. Um, yeah. The board looks just super weird. So I was like, hmm, what can I call it? I looked up like mythical creatures and there was this like. Picture me? It's like, a, <laughs> yeah, it's like a winged deer. I saw that. It's just like, what is that thing? So that's kind of why I, I went with that. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. name. Yeah. Periton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty fired up on it. Yeah. You also mentioned to me something about, uh, a ride that you were going on a motocross ride that that uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that can i get you a, a soda i'm good yeah um yeah there's um there's a motocross race coming up this thanksgiving weekend and um it's called day in the dirt and um it's just a. it's cool because i got to meet the guy who who promotes it and um a day in the dirt. A day in the dirt, yeah. And it started out as um, Steve McQueen, who was this major movie star. He was just a – he was a – He was a motorcycle. motorcycle enthusiast. Yeah. And he was like really good. Mm-hmm. And um, so he got together with a bunch of the stunt guys that he knew that rode. And he just started doing an annual – they called it day in the dirt. They would go out and they would ride and it became an annual thing. And then somewhere along the lines it stopped. And, um, my friend Kenny, he ended up starting it back up again. And now it's turned into this huge event. It's one of the biggest, um, motocross events in the world now. And I think they're even doing it in Australia and like other places. Is it a race or is it just a let's go out and ride? It's a bunch of races. And what they did is they incorporated and honored the stuntmen. Oh, cool. Still through doing a team race where stuntmen team up together and they they race each other. Sweet. And so, I mean, that world, it's like a lot of those guys ride and a lot of them ride really well. Yeah. So it's just kind of part of that culture. And you're obviously a rider. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, when I was, gosh, four years old, I think my dad got my brother and sister and him a bike and we started going out to Corona 
where like now like we we look on the side of the road and we're like that's where we used to ride and it's all houses yep you know and um so we used to go out and and ride and i was they thought i was too little and my dad's like let's see how he does and like he threw me on a 50 and i just took off and he would have me turn around, you know, and so I fell in love with it as much. I almost want to say more than surfing. Yeah. There was part of me that loved it more. Yeah. But um, we grew up doing that a lot, so it was either the beach or the desert. Cool. And um, we would go out to Gorman a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Glamis a few times, but that's just it's way crazy. too dangerous. It's crazy out there. Yeah. But um, n- when I was younger, I never got into racing. Um, my dad just knew he knew that that was just a gnarly lifestyle, but it's kind of funny because I think back what I would do is I would do these laps around our campsite. I would find these trails and I'd link them all together with like a jump and, you know, and that's what I would do all day long. Yeah. I wasn't like into just going out into the middle of the desert. I was like just trying to get as good as I could on this like little course I would make in my head. And, um, yeah, I loved it. Had a few bad crashes that scared my dad. Yeah. And he was like kind of backed off on it. Yeah. And um like what? Like 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 busted spleen or something? Like internal? nothing too bad, but just to where um to where he was just like, Yeah, this is only gonna get worse. Right. You know? Um dirt hurts. Dirt hurts. <laughs> a lot more than water. Um so it's kinda weird in my mid twenties became friends with some guys in Huntington that rode and, um, just started riding a lot with them and, um, yeah, just cool. got, got really into it. And yeah. that's, it's cool. Cause I think growing up as not only a surfer, but like a surfer who makes his own boards, his dad owns a surf shop. I rode for clothing companies, getting all, my product for free. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to like, who you know, Oakley, right? Didn't you ride for Oakley or I've rode for everybody, yeah. dude. Like right. that's how the, the professional surfing world kind of yeah. is and was like, right. you know, budgets get dropped and you know, yeah. you got to go looking for new sponsorship and stuff like that. So right. I've kind of rode for everybody right, right. at some point. Um, but yeah, I rode for Oakley, but, um, yeah. Um, I interrupted. I'm sorry. You were no, saying. Yeah. But what I was going to say is like through that lifestyle, you get really jaded, you know, mm. and you paddle out and you're just like super pissed if like a kook catches a wave. I was like that this morning. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's so hard not to be like that, but it was crazy. Cause I, I was the kook at motocross, right? I was the guy that would show up and, you know how surfing, there's like certain things you don't do. Like you don't put your leash on in the parking lot. You know what I mean? Right. There's things like that with motocross and I didn't know, right. you know? And I had this like aha moment where I was at the track and this pro pulls pulls up next to me in his truck. He's unloading. I'm like, oh my God, like that's so-and-so, you know? Yeah. And like, who, like Ricky Carmichael or somebody or, like, it, or just was, some B-level guy. It was kind knew. of a B-level guy, but he was testing Chad Reed's bike. Mm. And like, I was just like in awe, like, oh my God, like that bike is so cool, you know? And like, like he gets out of the car and he's like, oh, bunch of kooks out there. And I was like, that's me. I'm yeah. like, 
I was like, that guy's a dick. <laughs> and I'm like, that's me when I go, when yeah. I, when I surf. Yeah. And it was such an aha moment. Like that, like I, I really try to, to not do that. Like yeah. if I see a guy who's a beginner and he's on a good wave, I hoot. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like that's killer. And then like, just talk to him, you know, like yeah. that's one thing that within motocross, they, it's, it's a community yeah. that's a lot. It seems to be a lot tighter than, than surfing, you know, you think like, that's because there's a limited number of ways. Like with motocross, it's like, yeah, look, there's a massive desert. Go get some. Whereas, um, well, tracks get crowded. Okay. I mean, I mostly ride tracks. Okay. Right. So tracks get so crowded and you do get the guys that they're better than everyone. And they're, they are like yeah. that guy was, but for the most part, like you're going to pull up next to a guy and he's going to like, you know, be a dad with a kid right. and, you know, just like, it's a lot of money to go out there and do that. And, you know, he's like, he's stoked to be there. Yeah. You know, and so you pull up next to them, you're like, Hey, how's it going? Oh, how's the dirt? You know, like, yeah. which is a weird thing to even say. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. But yeah. Um, next time I see you at the beach, I'm going to ask you, How's the dirt? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, and you can, you can borrow a tool from a guy, and he's just like, You know, like, if you ask someone for a fin key at the beach, they're like, right. Just stare you down. You know, yeah. you're just like, That's weird. You know? Surfers are the worst. Kind right? of are. I think they are. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's like you said, the limited waves and yeah. stuff. And we're really self-centered yeah. and really selfish. Yeah. And a lot of our ego and and our portrayal of who we think we want you to see when we are at the beach is based in fear. Yeah, probably. You know. Yeah. Which brings me to my next question: Arise Surfboards. That's your brand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I assuming that you are of christian faith is that true yeah maybe can you yeah, talk a little definitely. bit about that because i um or yeah yeah i no, mean it's uh, or is it as simple as yeah scott i'm a christian next question <laughs> it is as simple as that yeah. but it's also you know um i just i i wanted arise to be just a, a positive company right i wanted because where I was at when I started it, I was going through a divorce. Right. And I was on the upward swing. Right. And I was like, you know what? I, I just want this company to be a positive thing. And who knows what it can turn into. But yeah. you know what? Like, let's let's use terms and let's use a name that's, that is positive. And I, yeah. I want to always be, like, growing. I, I want to always be getting better at shaping. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better businessman, a better husband. And you know what? There are people who they could be on their last thread. And I think it's really important to just, it's as simple as saying hi, Yeah. you know, it's as simple as hooting someone on a wave. It's as simple as, you know, just starting a conversation with someone who like maybe has that like crappy look on their face or something, you know? Yeah. And, um, cause we've all been there, Yeah. you know? And I think it's, that's just something I wanted to portray with the, yeah, the business is, you know what? Like this is, this is a positive thing and I wanted it to come across. Yeah. yeah. Bring an extra fin key. Yeah. Bring extra <laughs> fin keys. Let people borrow wax. <laughs> uh Maverick. 
someone here? Come here, buddy. It's okay. Um, this year we're honoring Wayne Lynch in the Icons of Foam, Tribute to the Masters. The shaping competition that we do every year at the Boardroom Show to sort of, the idea is to kind of lift up the, the concept of surfboard shaping and who these guys are and who these guys and girls are, these shapers, yeah. and how important they are to the culture. Um, who, sh- in your eyes, should we honor next time? Oh, man. You know, I don't know who you have honored. Um, I don't know. The, I don't know the whole list of people you've honored. But, yeah. um, gosh, off the top of my head, I kind of put you on the spot there. Yeah, you definitely did. Yeah. Mm. Have you done Mark Richards yet? Yeah, you have. We did MR. Yeah, that okay. was really cool. Yeah. In fact, uh, who won the MR one? Um, gosh, it's slipping my mind. Who won the MR one? Anyway. Have you done any um, any guys from Huntington Beach? No, I've toyed with doing um, um, Carl Hayward. That would be sick. That one might be yeah. kind of cool, huh? Yeah, that would be cool. That would be uber underground, and mm-hmm. Carl passed away way too soon. Yeah. And that rocket fish was a really cool board, and I know there'd be a yeah. lot of guys in that area that would be pretty psyched on, yeah. on Carl Hayward. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm really influenced by like Stussy. Yeah. That would be insane. That would be killer. I would love to see you do something for him. That would be really cool. His, his boards. I, so I rode for Stussy. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, this this was much this was much further out after he sold Stussy. Yeah. But they had this warehouse that was full of like knockoff stuff and yeah. like just old stuff. Yeah. And um, my friend who who was working there, we found a bunch of his old shaped blanks. Yes. In the warehouse. And wow. so I just took the dirt off of them, sprayed them, glassed them. I think the fin marks were on them. They were signed, everything. Wow. And these guys wrote them, and we found some old logos and stuff. And um, I just remember looking at them and just being like, these these are good shapes. Yeah. Like, I I really so it was thought a, they, were, they were really well-shaped. I think it was a – and you fill me in, but my gut feeling here is that he shaped the boards. They probably sat in his shaping bay for two months or so while he was going through this process of selling his brand. Yeah. And in the process of selling the brand, as, as you may know, when you sell a company, you basically are selling all the assets, yeah. which is everything. Yeah. And so he probably legally was like, you know what? I, those aren't my blanks anymore. Yeah. They belong to XYZ company that just bought them. Yeah, I think you're right. I th- I think you're right. And have you spoke to Sean about this? You know, I've never met him. Uh, I would love to meet him, and yeah. I hope he's not bummed about that. Well. <laughs> but um, I, I was super bummed. So um, Eden from Dead Kooks, yeah. he came by our shop. Um, I think it was last summer, and he ended up dislocating his shoulder surfing. Yeah. And um, I for, I was just shaping, and I I'm taking a board into the other room, and I see Eden like trying to shape 
with his arm in a sling. He's trying to shape one-handed. And I walk in the shaping room, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, that's a Stussy. And he's like, what? Oh, he and, took one of the and blanks. So and so one of those blanks, I took it. I've been taking <laughs> it from every shop I've worked at. I've been bringing this blank, and it's thrashed. Like I've the seen nose it. I was broken. there that day. Remember? I think I came in the moonlight I that day. I think you're right. I yeah. think you were. And um, so – Peter St. Pierre, he went looking for a thrashed blank. He had no idea what right. it was because, I mean, this thing is just covered in dirt. It's thrashed, but it's like, it's a Stussy, oh dude. And you guys ruined, or no. Yeah, so, so he took a full cut, full pass off one side of, uh, of a Stussy, and I'm just like. Oh, my God, you're hurting. Yeah, and so <laughs> Eden said he was going to talk to Stussy and get him to shape me one, but that I would I would pay for a Stussy, but yeah, um, cool, it's good not a, story. Yeah, and how many of those Stussies are still floating around in your, at your house or wherever? Um, that was the last one. I I, oh I didn't keep any. I just made them for the other guys. Oh, yeah, but they were all like twin fins, and um, I remember looking at that one, and and there's something about the noses, like the the noses on the Stussies are the beak. Something he had, he very has, unique. He has such a unique beak. Yeah, um, you know everyone's doing beak noses now and there's there's an art to that yeah for sure i and his were really unique like yeah. they were yeah they had kind of sexy a, you know? yeah they had a really cool yeah. look to them yeah huh. well stussy's a great idea yeah actually. um are there any other board builders that that you really you know you admire i mean you mentioned peter st pierre who's just a legendary board builder shaper airbrusher painter artist mm-hmm. um course your father yeah um well, maybe there aren't i mean it's okay if there aren't i'm just wondering if there's some guys that you i mean the list is so long right you know exactly. there's so many good, yeah i know that's the thing so you start good... mentioning guys and you're afraid you're gonna not you know, yeah leave somebody on. yeah but if i was to make a short list i would have to say al merrick is like my biggest like influence yeah. as far as like his you know just looking at Sports. yeah um because i came from that era where it was al yeah. it was really al working with kelly and yeah. rob and yeah. all those guys and um once i started shaping i realized that these weren't six three r's just skinned and flipped noses and flipped tails yeah they were his own real unique different rockers that no one else was doing, yeah. you know, like the flyer. When I when I was like really looking into those boards, because everyone wanted one, yeah. everyone rode one, and then they were like, "Can you make me one?" Right. And when I really like dissected one, I was like, "Wow," you know. And who knows? Maybe maybe Al didn't even shape that. Yeah. But I started looking at more and more of 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 the CI rockers and the contours and stuff. And I really, and his, his rails, yeah. I mean, that soft rail with the way that he tucks it, it's really hard to do and it's hard to do right. And now that he's not the one shaping them, you go into shops and some of them are just like, Nope, Nope. Uh, kinda, you know, yeah. like it's real distinctive. Yeah. And um I think he created 
something with with those um, with that part of the board that is allowing people to surf the way that especially the, these new young kids who are you know blowing tail and you know the way they're surfing I think he that part of the board is a big reason why they're able to do that and not catch edges and fall but still hold right and he was the one that was doing that first yeah you know and then everyone else followed and i think i think that's a if you look at matt biolis if you look at Takoros, if you look at you know those those shapers who are making those boards for you know the elite they all have that in common yeah Cool. Yeah. Merrick, he's the man. Yeah. 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 And we honored him a couple of years ago and uh, Rex Marshall. Yeah, I got to shape in that you one. You were in the yeah, you were in yeah. the shape off. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Cool. Yeah. That's that right. was such an honor. Cool. That was cool. Had you met Al before or uh briefly. Yeah. Uh Britt came and did some contests when when he was younger. Yeah. And um I remember there was a contest that I think it was it was lowers and him and Al showed up and it, yeah. was, it was a pretty big deal. I bet. We were all like, whoa. And then, like, my first question was like, all right, do you shape? And he's like, ah, I kind of shape. You know how Brit is, yeah. you know? And um, that was that was really cool. Like, talk about humble. You know? Yeah. That guy's, sure. that guy's probably such a great shaper and, you know, doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't really want to be known for that. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Good stuff. Yeah. What about the WCT? Are you a fan of pro surfing? Do you watch? Are you are you a, a, like a you know engaged viewer of the yeah. CT events? Yeah, I definitely am. Um, WSL. Yeah, yeah. I have a have a group of friends. We do the fantasy thing, and we just. Yeah. Are you any good bet. at that? The fantasy thing? No, I think out of like sixteen guys, I'm in like ninth. Yeah. <laughs> But half of it is because I forget to do my teams. Right. <laughs> but um Well we've got Julian and Gabe and Felipe yeah. coming down to the wire at pipe. So who do you want of those three? Because those are the only three that can win the world title. Honestly, um for sure Julian. Yeah. Like I would love to see him win a world title. I think um everything changed for me when I saw the situation with um Mick Fanning yeah. at um J Bay. Yeah. And he paddled towards Mick. Yeah. And seeing his reaction, you know, yeah. like he was so real and um it just made me respect him. Yeah. And his surfing's amazing. Like Absolutely. I love I love watching him surf. Um I think more than those other two guys. Yeah. And then that on top of it is the icing, you know. I just think that like I want to see a good person do good. Yeah. You know, I mean, not to say those guys aren't good people, but right. I feel like that's just a quality that I saw in him. Yeah. That was like, that. Yeah. you know, like when push came to shove, he was like, he wasn't running, he was running at it. Right. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's yeah. good insight for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Arise Surfboards, your Instagram is um, Arise Company. Yeah. Arise yeah. Company at Arise Company. Yep. And you can see all your boards on there, and yeah, yeah, that's um, that's fun, you know. Hopefully, I'll I'll uh, I'll get to ride that board here soon. I know. Today. I think we could be getting some waves, but also might get rain here. 
Yeah, there might be some rain tonight, but yeah. um, it's going to be minor. Yeah. I think there might be some fun surf. I'm definitely going to try to get out on it this afternoon. Cool. Yeah. I'm frothing. Yeah, let me know what you think of it. Yeah. We said a lot. Did I miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. I just got married. Did I mention oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, got no, married. No, you did earlier. So. Yeah. Good for you. Congrats. Uh, Where you did know, you get married? Uh, we we got married in Oceanside. Uh-huh, did yeah. our honeymoon in um, Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, that was cool. cool. I was first time in Hawaii as a tourist, which was actually really fun. Yeah. You know, no pressure. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> no, none of so, the drama going over the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that was that was really cool. Um, and then. And you're getting a dog. Yeah, getting a new pup. All right. So that'll be fun. Cool. Got a, yeah, I'm excited for just this new chapter of life and it's fun. It's good. All right. Good stuff. A-R-Y-S-E, Arise Surfboards, Ryan Sakel. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks yeah. for being Thanks, here.
Thanks for listening to the podcast. Coming up next time, Chris Morrow, former editor of Surfer Magazine and employee at the WSL, has some great insight on the Big Wave World Tour, surf contest formats, the WSL, and much, much more. Chris Morrow coming up in a couple of weeks. That'll be followed by Daniel Thompson, Tomo. You can contribute to the show, help keep the podcast going, donate using PayPal, our email, dtl at downthelineradio.com, dtl at downthelineradio.com. $5 a month recurring is suggested, but whatever you can do, we really appreciate it. We hope to continue to bring you high-quality interviews with cultural influencers, shapers, surfers, people of interest. Again, that's D as in dog, D-T-L at downthelineradio.com. That is how you can donate to the Boardroom Podcast. Thanks for listening.